This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. And this was Job's hope in verse 18 in chapter 29. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest that is in his house. I was reading this to my kids and I said, I didn't know Job lived in a nest and they laughed. Just like you. I shall die in my nest and I shall multiply my days at the sand. So Job, please listen to me. He's saying, God was with me. The people approved of me, and this was my hope. Because God was with me, the people approved of me, and my hope was I will die in my old age, in my house, with people that respect me surrounding me, my children around me. I mean, nothing wrong with that, right? But God is dusting me out like a rug, and all my dreams, and all my hopes, all my aspirations are being changed. And God has changed my situation around me. Job says, uh, my hope was my roots will spread out into the waters with dew on all night on my, on my branches and my glory fresh with me and my bow ever new in my hand. Pay attention to that verse 20. My glory fresh with me and my bow ever new in my hands. A beautiful picture in Hebrew with the bow. The bow speaks of purpose. The bow speaks of vigor, of strength, of direction, of speed, of agility. The bow is, you know, what it means for a man in the, in, the, in the cowboy movies, you know, it's like, if you don't have a gun, man, you're going to die out here, you know, and he's like, I, my bow will ever be new in my hand, because he's going to say, God has cut the bowstring of my life very soon. So what's happened to him now? Look at verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 9. This is where he is now. This is what he's, he's reminiscing, and this is where he is now. This is his condition, and now I've become their song. That's ESV saying their song. If you actually look at it, um, they mock me with vulgar songs. I hope you're able to feel this. I hope God is able to unlock some emotions for you to be able to experience this in your spirit. At one point, man, I had it all together. I worked hard. My hard work was paying off. And I was grateful. And I was humble. And, and I had these, these hopes of, and nothing wrong with that, of my children will be around me. I have those hopes that I will watch my children grow up to be pastors and evangelists and missionaries and gladly be willing to lay down their life for the sake of the gospel and that they will surround me on my deathbed and, and nothing wrong with that. And Job says, that's what I thought, that I will, I will you know, die as a respected old man that's doing his ministry and serving God and fighting for justice and, and fighting against those who are wicked and, and, and strengthening those who are weak and, and doing my charitable deeds. But now, the people that I helped, they sing vulgar songs about me. They turn their back against me. I'm a byword to them. In other words, um, his name has become what they use to express pain or to express suffering or to express curse. And um, to prove it, we wouldn't do that even until today. When someone's going through a hard time, they say, I'm suffering like Job. My name has become a byword to them. Even people who don't know the Bible will say that. Man, I feel like Job right now. They've never read through the book of Job, but they're like, I'm suffering like Job. Why does God hate me like Job? My name has become a byword to them. I've become a vulgar song. My name has become a byword. They abhor me. They hate me. They despise me. They keep aloof from me. And look at this. They do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. Uh, two, two ways to look at this. Number one, in that side of the country, you don't spit, even if you have to, when there's an old elderly person, a person that you respect before you. You don't, you don't put your feet, you know, you don't sit like this. You don't point your feet towards them. You don't spit in their sight. One, he's saying they don't respect me, they spit at my side. Or number two, another way to look at this is when they think of me, when they look at me, it's so disgusting that they have to spit, they have to vomit. That's how gross I've become. And if you read, it says that his, his, his boils have worms in them. Exactly. And he's scratching himself over there. And, and it's not like they're sitting in a backyard smoking a cigar with his friends and having a conversation. This is one of those things where the greatest men, I've come to meet the greatest man in the East, and they're having a dialogue, a conversation of theological implications that the villagers in that city would have never heard. And so there's a crowd now standing around and listening to the accusations being brought against Job. And Job is thinking of the time when he was respected by the people listening to him, when God had his back. And now 
changes have sifted him and shaken him so much that he's no longer in the place of respect where he used to be. God will walk you through change to show you what is real. Job is seeing that people have changed. People have changed. People have changed. People have changed. I don't know how many of you in this past year have seen people change. I wish I had a church that would talk back to me. I've seen people change. If you don't want to admit, I've seen people change. When I confront them on sin, they change. They love it when I'm talking harsh about sin, but when I point the finger at them and say, hey, I see this in your life, they change. People change when you lose all your money, like the prodigal son and his friends. People change when you have money, like the prodigal son and the friends that he made. People change when you go into a new dimension with God and others don't want you to go there. Am I talking to someone this morning? People change, people change when you begin to bring change in your own life and they start feeling guilty because you're growing and you've got to cut them loose and so you start moving and they change and they start calling you names. People change. People change all the time. Job is learning something very important over here when God is walking him through change. God is showing him, hey, listen, man, you, res- you thought that people respecting you was a blessing. You thought that people who admired you, you went to the city and people respected your words, people respected your leadership, people respected you, and you thought that that was my blessing. Job, I love you more than what the people showed you. And so I'm going to change you. I'm going to sift you. I'm going to shake you. I'm going to put you in the furnace to show you that people are fickle. In John chapter 2, it says that it was the time of Passover, and actually I think we have the verse up on the screen. In John chapter 2, it was the time of Passover, and it says many people believed in Jesus. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, many people believed in his name, talking about Jesus, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But it says Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Why? Because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Believers, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, believers. I'm not talking to the unbelievers now. I want to talk to the believers right now. Oftentimes, you run after the crowd. You run after the crowd because you think that the majority is right. This morning, God wants to challenge you and take you past what's right to what is real. And sometimes, the majority is wrong. In fact, the Bible tells me, wide is the way that leads to death, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And sometimes, God will call you to stand firm on the truth when everybody else is falling. Jesus turns to Peter and says, are you going to leave too? Thousands left. Are you going to leave too? And he says, where can I go? You have the words of eternal life. And God was taking Peter from what was right to what is real. Because you see, what they did not understand when Jesus says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they heard it as blasphemy. Because on the last supper, Jesus is going to sit with the disciples and he's going to break bread, which was right. But then he gives it to them and says, this is my body broken for you. And that was going past right. Jesus did not need anyone to bear witness about man, for he knew himself what was in man. Um, if you're looking to man for approval, you are, God is going to change your circumstance. God is going to pull away the people that will approve of you. God is going to pull away the people that are patting you on the back. You see, some of you, you think you're walking in a calling, but you're walking in your talents. And God will shake you, and God will shape you, and God will sift you to show you, to put you in a point where you finally get to recognize what calling is and what talent is. Some of you, no one's confronted you of your sin. No one's confronted you of your arrogance. And God will shake you and sift you and bring you to the furnace to burn away the impurities, to burn away the applause of the world. Because I'm not saying what Job was doing was wrong. It was right for the city to respect him. But God was going to take him past right to what is real. God is taking him past the people's approval 
for him to find the cure in the covenant that we will get to. Don't run away from God when you remember how good life used to be and how the people around you used to be when God pulls them away because it's the process of restoration. When God takes away these people, I want you to know this. God wants you to live out your destiny even if it's imperfect. Rather than following somebody else's idea of what is right perfectly. Oftentimes, we try to follow other people's ideas of what is right, and we try to follow that perfectly, and you've never listened to what God wants for your life. Almost every single week, I talk to a person now, since we've been going through the book of Job, who's talking about, man, how do I get past religion and to a relationship? And these are Christians who've been Christians for many years. How do I get past this religion and to be in relationship with Jesus? In other words, what they're saying is, how do I get past what is just right, and how can I get real with him? I wish this was a church where people are desperate to get real with God and say, God, I'm willing to put away, I'm willing to put away everything I've known. I'm willing to put away all the books that I've depended on. I'm willing to put away everything that I've walked in just because some man preached it, some man wrote about it. God, what do you have for me? Take away all the applause. Take away all the accolades. Take away all the approval. What do you want from me? Change me, sift me, shake me, put me alone if you have to be. I want you. Take away. Dumb out the noise. Dumb out the crowd. Let them go. People are fickle. People will change. God, you don't change. What do you have for me? What is your calling for my life? I told you this last week. When, when you're walking through suffering, pay attention because God wants you to pray because he wants to show you something. But when you're walking through suffering, what do you do instead? You run from one church to the next, one meeting to the next, one book to the next, instead of going to God on your knees. People know a lot about the Bible, but have never spent one hour on their knees before the presence of God. And you are a sheep without a shepherd. I am not your shepherd. John MacArthur is not your shepherd. Joel Olstein is not your shepherd. The authors and the preachers and the people who, who are, you know, I praise God for them. I'm glad they have a calling. But God has a calling for your life too. Get past the right and get to real for crying out loud, man. Get into the presence of God. Get on your knees and say, God, what do you have for me? Put away the doctrine. Put away the theology, please. It's divided us long enough and it's separated you from God. Many believers aren't even saved because they've never known real. All you have is a stupid box that says Christian. And you check that stupid box whenever you fill out a form when it comes down to religion, but you really do not know Yeshua. You really do not know Jesus. You do not know his touch. You never really experience his nail-scarred hands touching you, infusing you with power. No wonder that, that verse doesn't make any sense to you. The same power that raised Yeshua from the grave resides in you. I know for a fact that this church needs to hear this because if we really believe this, a time of worship will tear the walls down. I know for a fact that our church needs to hear this because I wouldn't be the only one that's losing my voice during the week. I know that this church needs to hear this because your neighborhood, your family, your job, your colleagues, it will be transformed like never before. Not because people will be saved, it's because you'll be walking in a whole different rhythm, in the rhythm of heaven, because you're getting past what's right and getting to what's real. You wouldn't give a rip about what people think about you. You wouldn't mind looking like a fool. John the Baptist got past what was right and got to real. He looked at those who were preaching right and said, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the coming wrath? And I want to tell you believers, you better be warned of the coming wrath, because when you stand before God, He's not going to say, which church did you go to? What denomination did you belong to? What clothes did you 
you wear? How often did you cut your hair? Did you eat this? Did you not eat that? None of that business. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you love him? Did you follow him? Did you obey him? Did you renounce everything else to be deeply, madly in love with him? Was he real in your life? Or was he just a Sunday morning side dish? I'm tired. I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of Jesus' name becoming a byword. I'm tired of so-called believers who don't really walk with him and then who criticize those who are walking with him. I'm tired of going online every single day and watching another preacher criticize another preacher. I am tired. I'm tired of division in the church. I'm tired of hatred among believers. It's because we're chasing after what's right and we've completely ignored, we've crucified what's real. I care about this church. And if this is all I'm going to preach this morning, this is all I'm going to preach this morning, and I want us to apply this. God, I want to chase after what's real, and I'm going to ignore what's right and go past what's right. I'm going to go past what's right, and I want what's real. Give me what still has a pulse to it. Give me what has a pulse to it. I don't want dead religion. I don't want empty words. I memorize scripture, but it makes no sense to me. Because that's what you were forced on as a kid. Go to our house, memorize scripture. Great, I mean Satan knows scripture, FYI. What are you going to do with that if you do not know how to wield it? If you do not know his voice? If you do not know when to use it, what's the point? Your worship is noise. And if God is shaking you, if God is changing your circumstances, jump and praise God for it because he loves you enough to change your circumstance, to shake you, to sift you, to make you feel uncomfortable in the religion that you're in because he loves you. And he says, I will not have a stale marriage with you. I want to be sharp. I want you to be authentic. I want you to do a road trip with me. I want, to, I want you to wake up first thing in the morning and be like, hey, boo, how are you? Before you go to bed at night, be like, God, now I lay me down to sleep. Actually, you know what? That's old, right? Hey, thank you that you yes. are still fighting my battles even while I sleep. Yes. You never sleep. You never slumber. So give me a good night's rest because you got my back. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, Lord, is the battle done? Is the battle, you know? And then you walk in. Um, number two, I need to get past my first point. I need to get past the right and get to real. Good, good, good. What happens when you go through change is um, <laughs> you begin to blame. You need to find someone to blame. When God walks you through change, if you do not acknowledge that God is the one bringing the change because he loves you, your change will turn to blame and your blame will turn to bitterness. I know you cannot say amen to that because probably the one that you're blaming is sitting beside you. <laughs> okay, so just wiggle your toes. Blame does not bring blessing. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.